Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. Victoria. Hi, host Victoria is on the line. Hi, Victoria. How are you? Oh, I'm blessed. How are you today? You just have like that 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 angelic little voice, don't you? <laughs> I'm doing well. You know, <laughs> I'm just an humble person that loves the Lord from the bottom of her heart. I'm telling you. Preach. Preach it, preach it. I'm, I'm right there with you. I love, I love Jesus. He's done so much for me, and uh, I appreciate him. Trust me, I do. <laughs> wow. Well, I, I am just so excited and thrilled to have this opportunity. I really am. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to share my story because uh, I truly believe with all my heart that it's, it helps people. It really does. Wow. Wow. Well, with that said in mind, and given the time of this hour, we're going to go ahead and get started. Okay. So what I want to do for anyone that may be listening is to say hi, everyone. I want to thank all that are tuning into Noon Glory. This is Evangelist Victoria Sheffield, founder of Chain Breaking Ministries. Now, it's been a while since I've done this broadcast, and I'm telling you all, I am so excited about it. I have an amazing special guest with me, but before I get started, I just don't feel good moving forward without saying a word of prayer. So with that in mind, let our heart and mind be elevated on the most high. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for allowing us to see another day. We thank you for keeping our friends and family. We thank you for choosing us and for giving us another opportunity to the tree of life. At any point, Lord, we could be dead. We could be gone. At any point, we could have died in our sin, but you saw fit to give us another opportunity And for that, Lord, we just want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for being merciful. Thank you, Lord, for being a healer. Thank you, Lord, for being a friend. And thank you, Lord, for being a place that we can go in the time of need. Thank you, God, just for being our all. For you are amazing. Thank you, Lord. You've been so good and you've been so kind even when we did not deserve it. We ask that your will be done and that you take over this broadcast so that your glory would be revealed. And in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. That was beautiful. Amen. Thank you so much. So now the moment I know I've been waiting for is here. (laughs) (laughs) I want to introduce today's special guest, 
Our special guest resides in Long Beach, California. He's a husband, father, fitness trainer, and amazingly, a Falcons fan. But most <laughs> importantly, <laughs> a child right of God. He's a child of God that has gone through a lot of adversity. Now, today we want to talk about his experiences and how God's glory is being revealed in his life. And now that I have introduced him, I want to welcome you, Rob Decker, to Noon Glory. Thank you so much for having me on the show. That was awesome. I appreciate it. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wow. Well, I want to thank you again for taking the time out of your schedule because I know that you have so many things that you have to do. I've seen pictures of your beautiful wife. And, yes, I've been um, in your Facebook profile checking out things, and I saw a beautiful little baby. So I want to thank you so much. I really do from the bottom of my heart. And what we're going to do, I want to get into your testimony. But before we get into your testimony, would you just share a little bit with us about you? You know, just anything that you would want people to know about Rob Decker. Who is Rob Um, Decker? I'm a blessed man of the Lord, um, first and foremost. You know, I'm I'm very fortunate to be where I'm at today. Um, you know, I like like you were saying, I'm a a husband and a father. Um, I'm mm-hmm. a personal fitness trainer and a health coach. Um, just recently, I became a internationally best-selling author. I had the opportunity to yeah. r- write a chapter in a book um, from a woman in in the UK, uh, Kate Batten. She allowed me to share my story in one of her books. Um, I've been able to share my testimony, my story in the UK and in Canada and Japan and all across the United States. So I've had the privilege to be able to to share those things. Um, yeah, you know, um, I, I share a lot on podcasts as much as I can. You know, ultimately my, my goal is to um, kind of bring fitness and my faith into a ministry where I can uh, use those things to um, help edify people. So, you know, hopefully that will be in the next uh, phase of of my life. Now, my wife and I, we will be moving to Colorado here shortly. At Colorado Springs, we'll be moving out in about six to eight weeks. Um, I'll be a, a trainer out there, but the area in which we're moving to is heavily saturated with churches and Christianity and I just pray that that's another opportunity to go to different churches and and share the testimony and really help fill up the body of Christ. You know, I I really believe in in these days we have a lot of broken Christians and um, their eyes just aren't on Jesus right now and and, and they're on on the world and all the chaos and corruption that's going on. I just, I just want to help people understand that God is still a God of miracles. He's a God of healing. He's a God of redemption. And, um, yeah, that's what my testimony is all about. Wow. Well, that's amazing. You know, that was good. So if, if that was that good, I've got to hear your <laughs> testimony. So let's, get, Our, so let's get to this testimony. Now, I want to hear about your experiences. 
you know, I know you've been through some things. I've seen yes. your Facebook comments, and I, I would say to myself, wow, you know, so I'm just so glad to have had this opportunity. So tell us a little bit about the things that you've gone through. Absolutely. Um, it's been a lot, so I'm going to do my best not to consume t- too much of your time. If, if you feel at any time to be led by the Holy Spirit to ask me a question, please do. Okay. I know there's a lot of times what happens is I'll start going off on my story, and most people will just let <laughs> me tell it, which is okay, which, which I don't mind. You know, um, right. but there's a lot. It's an onion, and there's a lot to be peeled off there. So um, if you feel led, feel free, Victoria, please. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm originally from Northern California. Uh, my mom was a single mom when she had me. She was about 17 years old. She came from a really rough background herself. She was, you know, raped and molested and beaten and started smoking at a very young age. She was the oldest of five children. Uh, she got pregnant with me, and, and the people around her wanted her to abort me. Uh, it's not something that my mom was going to do. So eventually, you know, my mom, praise God, I love her to death. She had me and eventually met the man that I would call my father um, six months after my birth. Uh, when they hooked up, she quickly got pregnant, and she ended up marrying my dad and having my, my little sister. Uh, very early on in our house, you know, I was very young, so my first real remembrance is, is roughly kindergarten, and I remember I came home with a, a birth, or not birth certificate, a graduation certificate from uh, kindergarten, and it had my father's last name on it. Well, my grandmother, his mom, wasn't fond of me having their last name because I wasn't their blood relative. And so they had to change my last name. And so my mom had to give me the news that my dad wasn't my biological father and that my sister was not my biological sister, that she was my half-sister. I remember getting the news that day and just leaving the house with this. And I I have to give credit to the Holy Spirit on this one. Um, He's the one that brought it back to remembrance for me and put it in my heart. But I remember walking away from that situation you know, it's okay because God's my father and everything will be all right. Uh, As time went on, there was a lot of uh, fighting and arguing and miscommunication in the house. Now, you know, my mom comes from, she, she, it was hard for her to discipline us due to all the stuff that she had been through in her life. But my dad, he was a lot more militant. He, He came from the military, a stricter household. And so you had these two opposing parental um, philosophies, and they just didn't mesh well. And then plus, because I was my mom's son and I wasn't his biological father or biological son, um, there was issues very early on with that as well. And you started seeing the separation and the favorites. And, you know, my dad would always kind of lean toward my sister's way. And he was always really, really hard on me. He was extremely hard on me. And as time went on, it just got harder and harder and harder and um, more militant in the house. And you know, with the drugs and the alcohol and the smoking and the emotional abuse and the violence, you know, it just got worse over time. Eventually, to a place when I was roughly 15 or 16 years old, and my parents' relationship was so chaotic to the point where my mom was living in the house, but my dad was living outside the house with a girlfriend, but he was paying rent for us to to give us a place to stay. My sister at this point, she was a year and a half younger than me. Um, and I'm like 15, so she's like 13 and a half. 
she was doing meth. My sister was doing meth at a really young age. My mom was doing meth, and wow. my dad was doing meth. Yeah, so they were all heavily uh, into the drugs and the alcohol. And um, for me, I, I wasn't there yet. I just started dabbling in marijuana and um, drinking, but I wasn't – the meth thing was never really my thing. Um, but what happened was is that one time uh, while my mom was sleeping in the home, my dad came home and he saw the dishes weren't done and I was in bed and he came home and he woke me up and he told me to go out and do the dishes. And at this point, like, you know, it's so chaotic in our home. It's like, you know what, man, like you're not, and, and trust me, this is like the PG version of the conversation. I, wow. This is uh, I talked a little bit different back in the day. So for sure. So you can insert whatever you want in this conversation. But, um, but what happened was is that, you know, it's just like basically you're not my father. You know, you have mm-hmm. no right bringing your girlfriend home. You have no reason to get me up at nighttime and make me go dish. It's like that's not, that's not even the situation at this point, man. Like, you know, you can miss me with that whole situation. Well, my dad decided to throw me off the bed. And he walked, and I'm in boxes, right? I'm, I'm, I'm just hanging out in boxes. He walks over to me, and he sticks his snakeskin boot, the tip of it, right into my Adam's apple. And he looks down at me, and he says, if you're any kind of man, you're going to meet me in that living room. Now, my dad was a Marine. He was a tough dude. I mean, he was a very strong man, and he boxed, too. He was a fighter. And then you throw the drugs and the alcohol in there, plus all the anger. And um, so I took the challenge. I walked out there and caught my very first butt whooping. <laughs> it was a pretty good wow. one. Yeah. Um, you know, and he could have done a lot worse than, than he had did that day, but, but he mm-hmm. took it a little easy on me being a kid. Um, and I don't say this stuff to bash my father. You know, we all had our issues. We all had our demons. We all had our problems. And there was just mm-hmm. a lot of, um, you know, it, it, there was just a lot of the enemy in our home. So, um, you know, eventually, you know, my sister and I, are, are getting in so much trouble in that house and all the drugs coming in out of, out of it that the, the homeowner kicked us out of the house. We were renting and, and we were forced to fend for ourselves. Well, as all this stuff is going on, like I'm out here trying to do my thing and I, I've made, made some really good friends and those really good friends have, you know, taken me into their home and they've helped me out. And, you know, so it wasn't always a bad situation, but there was always that yearning to have a closeness to your family and your father and your mother and your sister and all that kind of stuff. And so because I didn't know what I was really dealing with, you know, the alcohol and the drugs got worse. And, you know, first, like I was saying, it was it was the alcohol, then it was the weed, and then all of a sudden I'm doing acid and I'm doing shrooms, and eventually it leads into, you know, ecstasy and cocaine, you know, and, you know, I'm burying myself with all this stuff, and I'm I'm actually becoming highly addicted to this stuff throughout my 20s you know, especially the alcohol. The alcohol was the most numbing situation for me. Um, And I always presented my life like it was pretty good. Like I always, I always had fun and I always joked around, but there was, you know, that part of me that was broken and sad and disappointed. And, um, and that showed a lot in my relationships with people, especially women. You know, I'd get into these great relationships with these awesome young ladies and I would destroy, I would destroy them, I would destroy the relationship, and then I, I kind of would hold on to those relationships that were a lot more dysfunctional. Um, I'd be able to hold on to a job for a little while, but eventually, you know, when you work somewhere, you start mingling with people, you start partying with them, and then everybody sees what goes on with you when you're not sober. They see all the junk, and that happened several times. Eventually, you know, I was working at 
Gold's Gym when I was like 27, 28 years old, and there was this young man there, really great guy, um, still friends with him today. He's actually the one that brought me to Christ, but he would, he would like, hey, man, you know, this Jesus, you know, Jesus, 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 and I'd be like, you know, bro, that's cool, works for you, I get it, you know, doesn't work for me, I'm, I'm good, you know, because my, my thing was I'm just going to keep doing what I do. Um, eventually, I lost that job where my, my buddy was trying to reach out to me. We remained friends, and while I was unemployed, I was selling drugs. I was selling uh, human growth hormone and steroids, and I got involved with this young lady. I was cashing a check, and she was a banker, and it was drug money, and um, Mm -hmm. we hit it off, and I was actually seeing another girl at the time. Like, I was actually driving this other girl's car to the bank when I met this new girl because that's how I operated. You know, Mm -hmm. it was was survival mode for me. It was all about – what can I get out of people and, and every situation? So um, hit it off with this young lady. We start seeing each other now. It was a really toxic, toxic relationship. And um, it got to a point where it, it got violent and we had to break up. Well, during this breakup, um, my buddy who had reached out to me initially about Christ comes back to me like, hey, man, you know, I would love for you to come to a men's Bible study. You want to hang out? Like, you know, for sure. What do I have to lose? Like, I have nothing going on for me at this point except for my fitness. You know, fitness has always kind of played a huge role in my life. It's, um, you know, it was always a good avenue for me. Um, So I go and I'm hanging out with these guys and they're praying over me and we're in this air-conditioned room and I'm sweating and I'm shaking. And I'm like, this is a whole new feeling for me. Like the Holy Spirit is just like shaking and and moving me, you know, and I'm just like on a whole different level and I'm just like walking on, you know, clouds. And, um, you know, I did that for a while. I hung out with those guys. Well, in the meantime, the young lady that I'd broken up with, she had gotten to escorting. She was selling her body for, you know, money. It's what she wow. was doing. She wanted to, yeah, she wanted to live a certain lifestyle. Now, you know, based on my previous conversations with her and interactions with her, you know, I have a feeling that she was molested as a child. And I know that she was watching pornography at a young age and some stuff happened between her and her father. Um, the whole truth never came out, but you can usually do the math yourself and, and, and figure that stuff out. So, uh, but at this time, like, I don't understand those things. I don't understand the complexity of those things. Wow. Well, I, I find this out about her and I'm just like, well, I can't have this, you know, I mean, she shouldn't be doing that. It's, that's horrible. And because I still cared, don't, you know, so I enter back into her life and uh, <laughs> that's when things really started to, to, to shift because Doing that, I started partying more, and I always struggled with the drugs and the alcohol, even though really early on in Christ, like I was worshiping, going to church, and reading my Bible, I still I still had my struggles. And, you know, once I jumped back into a relationship with her, what happened was is the brothers in Christ got put on the back burner, the Bible, you know, going to church, fellowship, all that stuff was no longer uh, relevant. For me, I was invested in this this young lady. Well, our agreement was that um, she had to get rid of all of her clients, and she had this one, allegedly, she had this one last client that she went to Hawaii with, and while she was there, she was sending me pictures and text messages of her black eye, and, you know, we talk on the phone. She was saying how this guy took advantage of her and forced himself on her, and so virtually she got raped while she was over there, and, and she was telling me, Hey, when I, when I get back, like, let's work all this stuff out. I'm sorry for all the things that had ever transpired between us. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Um, I wasn't a saint in all of it either. Like I still had my issues, 
but the, mm-hmm. the goal was we're going to work this out. So um, she comes back from Hawaii, picks me up. We go to the liquor store, grab a bottle, head back to her spot. Well, you know, I'm, I'm all over the place now. You know, I, I have the Lord in my life now. I'm, I'm conflicted by that. I'm conflicted by the stuff that had happened to her over there and the stuff that had previously happened between us. And uh, I was a mess and, and it was supposed to lead into a certain direction of hanging out and, and it didn't head in that direction. It was just like, you know what, I'm going to go downstairs. I'm going to sleep this off because this is just, it was just way too much. Well, while I was down there, um, there was a banging at the door and it was the police department and she comes down the stairs and I look at her and ask her what happened. And she looked at me and she said, I called the cops and I told them that you raped me and that you tried to murder me. Oh, oh yeah. no. Yeah. Well, the, the Lord spoke to me about that on another occasion, but um, we'll get to that. Um, so in that moment, I was completely betrayed and broken and lost and confused and scared. And I really felt like in this moment was that moment that was all over for me. Um, mm. You know, I wasn't going to go to prison for something I didn't do. Uh, I, I, w- I wasn't working. Uh, I was still drinking, using um, you know, I was couch hopping. I mean, working out was the only thing that I was doing that was remotely constructive. And um, in that moment, I just looked at her and I said, you know, I can't do this anymore. And I turned around and I ran headfirst out of a closed window with all intentions of breaking my neck and killing myself. Jesus. And uh, I jumped out of that three-story window broke right through that glass and on my way down, I clipped an awning, which changed my fall. And I shattered my left arm, broke my back, broke my right wrist and collapsed my lung. And I was laying in that ground on the ground in a big heap of mush. And I just remember looking up at that broken window, asking God, why, like, why would you let me live? And the cops were there, the EMTs, they took me to the hospital and Uh, I was at the hospital for a few hours before they actually performed the surgery on me. And the surgery was like eight to 10 hours, something like that. And I woke up the next day with tubes coming out of my neck, tubes going in my nose, the taste of medication in my mouth, ridiculous amounts of pain. You know, I had external fixator on my left arm, a cast on my right arm, a back brace, uh, a catheter. I, you know, I was just all sorts of messed up and, and reconstructed. And here comes the police department walking in. Mr. Decker, you're under, arrest, you're under arrest for rape and attempted murder. Threw the cuffs on me on my hospital bed and hit me with a $1 million bail. My God. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. with that, I now had 24-hour surveillance on me. And I remember... This cop, he was just, he was so hard on me. He was giving me heart. He didn't want to be there. I mean, no one wants to be there watching this decrepit guy. Like, I'm not going anywhere, but because I'm under arrest, they have to have someone watch me. And he's reading the police report in front of me, and he's giving me a hard time, and he's talking about how bad of a person I am, and, you know, these are serious charges. And I, and I remember I just broke down, and I was just like, you know what, sir? I've done a lot of bad stuff in my life, made a lot of bad choices, but this just isn't one of them, you know, and, and, you know, if anything, I cared about her. Maybe I didn't do it the right way, but, you know, I, I cared about her, and, and that was that. And, and I, I started to cry. Uh, wow. And, and just, 
disbelief and, and the nurse comes in and she calms me down. She's like, Mr. Decker, you have to calm down. They didn't want my heart rate being elevated considering everything I'd already been through. Right. And, and then the young lady walks through the front door with her sister disguised. She had just got a weave. She had put some sunglasses on. She had some paperwork in her hand. And the police officer looks up and he says, you know, for someone who's been through everything that they've claimed to gone through, like, this makes absolutely no sense to me. And he walks her out and comes back. And we don't really converse about anything. And, and I remember as that night came before me, I'm sitting there talking to the Lord. I'm like, you know, what do we do? Like, what's going on, God? Like, what? Like, I, I just right. don't know. And right. all of a sudden, this is like the most powerful interaction. I mean, God's interacted with me a few times, but this was the most like, you know, considering the state I was in, um, everything that I was up against, um, the amount of medication I was on, I had this moment of peace and clarity and calmness and this, this, it was kind of like this blanket uh, spirit that comes over me, right? And from my head to my toes and, and things are getting quiet in the hospital, you know, with all the bright lights and all the noises, the machines and the doctors, the nurses, you know, all that stuff, like everything starts to kind of calm down. And, and I kind of get into this peaceful place and I hear this, this powerful but soft voice speak to me and it says the charges will be dropped your bills will be paid and you will walk again and I doze off into a vision of of playing soccer and I wake up the next day and everything's back the pain the lights the noises everything's back mm-hmm. well a few days goes by, go by and and the police come and they're like Mr. Decker you're no longer under arrest and thank god and, right and and I'm just like, wow, Lord, you spoke that into me. Now, yeah. at a later date, they try to, when I was out of the hospital, those cops still try to keep, come back and, and, and hit me with those charges. They wanted me to get, they wanted me to admit that I raped her, one, and two, that I was running from the police and that I wasn't trying to take my life. And um, yeah. though, neither of that was, yeah, the, 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 it just wasn't the situation. It wasn't the situation, and I explained that to them. But, um, you know, back to the hospital. So that happens. And now that I'm released, I can have guests. And my mom shows up. And my mom's bawling her eyes out. The doctor wow. told her I'm ne- Yeah, they're, they're, they, they tell her that I'm never walking again. And I know. I know what they said. And she walks in and she's just like, you know, uh, honey, I'm sorry this happened to you, but I wish it had all ended that day. And I understood what my mom was saying. I, I understood that she didn't want me in pain. I understand that she didn't want to be in pain. I understand mm-hmm. that who she was growing up, and she brought a human into this world, and this is the direction he took. Um, so yeah. I understood my mom. It, it was actually mm-hmm. coming from a very loving place. Mm. And, and uh, you know, and, and I looked at her, and I said, you know, they said I'm never going to walk again, didn't they? And she said, yeah. And I said, well, don't worry about that. And at that point, the nurses walk in and they're like, Mr. Decker, we're going to try to get you up. And so they brought two nurses in and they were going to stand me up. And I knew for a fact that I wasn't going to get on my feet because I needed help just to move in the bed on my back. 
And I was still mm-hmm. in so much pain, no matter how much medication I was mm-hmm. on, I was still in a lot of pain. And, uh, you know, I remember bringing to, to memory, watching the passion of Christ. And, and also, when I first came to the Lord, uh, one of my Christian brothers was like, you've got to read Isaiah 53. You just have to. It's like the greatest chapter. And to this day, like Isaiah 53, to me, is the most definitive chapter in the whole world word. And it's just my favorite, hands down. And um, for those that don't know it, you know, it's about the coming of Christ and who he is and what he he goes through, right? So you're putting Isaiah 53 and what you've seen on the Passion of Christ together. And I'm like, you know what? I got to do this. Jesus did it for me. Uh, I got to do this for my mom. And they tried to get me up and I felt like it broke my back all over again. And they set me back down and they're like, yeah, you're not walking. And a neurosurgeon came in was like, you know what? We're going to perform another surgery. So they did. And after that surgery, um, I was able to get up out of bed with assistance and drag my left foot. And I knew in that moment that I was going to walk again, that I was going to run again. I was going to jump. I was going to do all the things that I, I love to do. Uh, that was a long process, though. Don't get me wrong. Um, that was about four years of just mo- – most of it was my own uh, physical therapy that I had to perform on myself. You know, I was a personal trainer before, so I, I had a decent understanding of the human body and uh, what I could do to help improve that situation. But in that process, I was struggling with the pain pills. I was struggling with the alcohol. Um, I was still, there were still certain struggles that, that I dealt with. Well, as time went on, I knew that the Lord didn't want me on disability anymore because I was living off the government. And I was just like, you know, I know the Lord has me for, here for a reason. He saved my life. I know that he wants me sharing this story with other people. And a great way to do that is through personal training. I mean, if you've ever worked with a trainer, you know that, you know, it's much more than someone showing you how to lift weights, but there's a relationship there. And, and you're digging deep into people's spirits and their lives and and you're really making a a, quite a deep impact on them and so I'm like you know what I'll be the personal trainer that shares this testimony and and eventually I get back into personal training part-time where I met this young lady now I wasn't really looking for a relationship because I was still you know struggling but I met this young lady absolutely amazing young lady and um And I remember going out on a date with her, and I bought a pitcher of beer. And I remember the comment she made. She's like, you're going to drink all that? And I was like, yeah, for sure. Like, this is just for starters, you know? And here's the, like, oh, I thought you were a Christian card, right? (laughs) I had my struggles. But I knew in that moment that this was the woman I was supposed to be with. And I knew that she was going to be part of the reason that I gave up that alcohol. Um, and, and I prayed about it all the time. You know, I asked the Lord to remove the alcohol from my life because it was that one thing that I just couldn't shake in my own flesh and with my own abilities, I just wasn't strong enough to do it. And I constantly (laughs) prayed, like there'd be times where I would put the bottle to my mouth and I'd be like, Lord, spare me, you know, um, help me, help me deliver me from this. And, and he heard my prayers because this happened, (laughs) uh, while I was dating her, she had just graduated college. She had just started a new job, and I was driving her car. Well, I'd been drinking that day, um, and I ended up totaling her car. Um, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't kill myself. Um, 
I was able to, I, I, I left the scene of the crime and, you know, I ended up hiding under this house. We were in some, I was in some hills and I fell into this creek and I crawled up under this house and I'm like talking to the Lord, um, you know, Lord, bail me out of this situation. Help me, Lord. You need to help me out of this situation. Like I had this great job now. I met this great woman. My health was getting really good. I wasn't on the pain pills anymore. God had delivered me from all that. And here I am like a guy that broke his back and, you know, had the gift of walking and working out again and, and, you know, being functional in this world. And here I am just throwing it all away. And, and, uh, I pled with God under that house and I said, you know, Lord, if you help me out, which you don't have to, because I brought this on myself and your judgment and your ways are perfect. But if you, if you bail me out of this situation, I will quit drinking. I will move from Northern California to Southern California because this is where Alyssa wanted to, to move. She wanted to move back home after she graduated college. Um, and I'll marry that woman. If this is what you want for my life, Lord, I will do that. Um, turns out, <laughs> I got a slap on the wrist for the situation. Um, that day, I was delivered from alcohol. Uh, I, I've never, ever had the slightest temptation to even go back and drink from the bottle. Um, it's just, it's not there for me. I've never been tempted to do so. He delivered me in a major way. He knew what it was going to take for me mm-hmm. to, to walk away from the alcohol. Um, shortly after that, we moved to Southern California, and I married Alyssa on 316 in honor of the Lord. It just happened that year to fall on a Sunday. <laughs> so we got married on 316 and to honor him, and we took communion um, at our wedding. And, and, um, and then shortly... A couple years after that, we had little Caleb. Um, definitely wanted to name, give him a strong biblical name. And once again, to honor the Lord. And, and, and we try to honor the Lord um, in all that we do when it comes to, you know, our family and, and our walk. And the Lord has just continued to bless us um, with health and finances and opportunity. And now we're about to move to a new state where we can finally be homeowners um, and, and it's just the amazing redemptive abilities of, of Jesus and constantly calling out to him, even in those times of, you know, desperation, like he showed up, you know, and, and he knew when and how to use certain events in my life. And, you know, I look back on my whole life in all the garbage I've been through, and I'm grateful for every little ounce of it because now I get to share those, those experiences with other people and be like, you know what? I get it. I've been there. Um, a lot of people are afraid to talk about the things that they've been through and share those things, especially in church. I, I noticed that happens a lot in church as well. One thing mm-hmm. I never touched on is that I was molested when I was young as well. I was wow. uh, molested by a neighbor boy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, but it's crazy. I don't want to say that I'm grateful for being molested, but I can right. say this. I have that experience, and because of the Lord, I don't have to suffer those demons, right, mm-hmm. and, and, and ask myself certain questions and contemplate certain things because I, I know why I'm here, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so now I get to use all these experiences to to share with others and and to let them know, you know, God is good and He is a redeemer and He is a healer. He is the ultimate doctor. Um, we just need to get our eyes back on Him. You know, and I really hope to pursue ministry. I really hope that my testimony is going to be the catalyst for a lot of that stuff, just knowing that, you know, there's someone out there that's been through some rough stuff, but yet still praises and worships the Almighty Lord, Um, because that's me. Wow. You know, I am just at awe. I mean, you have (laughs) such an amazing testimony, and I just know that, your story is going to continue to bless people for the rest of your days. And even as you go on to glory, there will be people that will still be blessed by everything you've gone through. And I just thank you so much again for sharing, because as you stated before, there are many people that have problems with sharing their testimonies coming from such a place of pain. Wow. 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 God's amazing. And he's opened up some, some very amazing doors for me. Like I've been able to speak at churches and, um, you know, share on the podcast and stuff. And I'll tell you this, like mm-hmm. getting on stage is really scary. It's really, you know, for me being in, a, in the flesh and being such a like athletic guy, for me, a lot okay. of things, are based on performance, right? It's performance, performance, performance. And so when I get on that stage, I have to remind the flesh, Rob, it's not about the performance. It's about the message that you're trying to deliver to the people and you're honoring God in this. So if it wasn't for God, I wouldn't be on that stage sharing this story. Um, And a lot of the times the the, uh, nervousness I have to battle through because I know why I'm doing it, you know? so God has given me those opportunities. Wow. I know exactly what you mean about the nervousness <laughs> and stages. <Ooh>. Trust me. <laughs> it's, not, it's not easy. It's not easy. It, it really, really is not easy, but we push through it because we get yes. to a place of spiritual maturity where we realize this really is not about us. Right. It's not about us. And because God has been so good to us and so merciful over the years, we owe this much to him. Right. We really do. And there's so many people that need to be delivered from the things of your past that you must continue to share. And I want a copy of that book. I don't know where I can get this book from. (laughs) I'll tell you. I I want a copy. I didn't um, know you were Arthur. Yeah. Well, you know, it's crazy how this all unfolds. So everything I tell is in story form. So um, Mm -hmm. the way that it it happened was I met this gentleman who's an amazing Christian man, and he's a motivational speaker. And I just got put it on my heart to really get to know him. So what he did is he pushed me in the direction of certain people. And with those people, I had new opportunities. And you're talking about speaking and the podcast. And um, mm-hmm. in the midst of all that, someone was like, you know, you're going to have to start your own website, right? Because people are going to have to <laughs> know where to find you and to listen to the things that you're talking about. So right. Rob Decker speaks 
robdeckerspeaks is my website. So if you go to robdeckerspeaks.com, you can see my fitness stuff, my family stuff, my social media is attached to it. You can listen mm-hmm. to all the podcasts. Like when you and I are done, I'm getting a copy of this and I'm putting it on, on, on the website so that people can uh, listen to it at their, at their leisure. Um, on there too is the book. It's called uh, Spirituality by the Missing Peace. And um, I'm chapter three in the book. So you can go on there and you can, click on the, the link and it will shoot you over to Amazon. And, um, you know, I, my chapter will be there um, with other wonderful chapters in the book of people that had been through their own trauma in this world that, that God uses for his glory. So um, I've been very um, fortunate and blessed to be able to, to partake in those type of things. Wow. Amazing, amazing. Well, I'm going to get my copy. I'm going to get my copy. So when you get a chance, I don't have a pencil on me, but please, through Facebook, send me a link that I can click through through my Facebook messages. Wow. You know, I'm so filled and so full, and I just want to run and tell everybody about this. I want all of my friends and family (laughs) to hear this testimony. So when this is over, I can see myself texting, tweeting, or just whatever because, <laughs> you know, I know so many people that are struggling with this stuff. I was just speaking I with agree. my husband earlier today, you know, because my heart bleeds. So many people are just hurting, you know, and the world makes them feel like they're pretty much nothing. And that's just not the right. message that we as right. Christians are supposed to send to the people. If they can just I agree. See Hope. If they can just see hope through us, through the things that we have gone through, then they too will be delivered. So wow, wow. Well, you know, I um, what the Lord put on my heart in a lot of this is that you know, a lot of times mm-hmm. the, the the church will stress like you know we need to go out and make believers of the world. Well, what really what God really put on my heart was believers themselves are broken. And, and, you know, it's really hard for us that are believers to go out in the world and attract people to our, our faith and our God when we're so in disarray, you know, and, and he really put on my heart, like, you need to be preaching to other Christians, you know, and once the body is edified, you know, the body can go out there and, and pull in, you know, the world and into to what we have to offer, you know, which mm-hmm. is eternal life, which is beautiful, which is true love, right? So mm-hmm. um, I really hope that this story touches the lives of believers mm-hmm. that are, are wavering right now. Right, right. Well, I want to, I really don't want to end this, but <laughs> move closer to ending the broadcast. I have a question that I would like to ask you. Yes. For the person that says, well, I have some type or some form of substance abuse. I've been praying. I've been praying to God, and I just don't feel like God is hearing me. I'm just to the point where I am tired of praying. What would you say to that person? Don't stop praying. Um, I know that, you know, I prayed for a long time and I struggled with certain things and God found it in his timing, the perfect timing to, to remove it from me. But at the same time, um, God's going to speak to us all a little bit differently. So 
you know, get in your word, pray, surround yourself around other believers, right? Find a, a Bible-based church that's really preaching the gospel. You know, find those small groups. Just find those people um, that are going to help elevate you and lift you up. I know that, you know, the world has AA. That's like the world's thing. That's, it's, it's their stuff. But right. in Christianity, we have um, Celebrate Recovery. I've been able to speak at Celebrate Recovery. I'm, shortly I'm going to be working with some people that lead Celebrate Recovery for something much greater in the kingdom. But Celebrate Recovery is a place where believers can go, and, and the steps are all based on Scripture and Christ. It's all about Christ, 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 Christ. And sometimes as Christians, we just need to pound his name in our head and just realize, like, he is the great deliverer. So just so that it may not happen in a moment, you know, like I said, I still struggled a little bit, but he found his way. Um, mm-hmm. But it's all about putting yourself in the right environment, in the right places, in the right space, of, uh, in the right mind space, right? And that's usually through prayer and through the word and eliminating bad habits in your life. I mean, here's the mm-hmm. thing, like, for some people, even exercise will push them away from bad habits, right? When you start right. feeling better and looking better, like those types of things will happen. I mean, that's the industry that I'm in. You know, people that mm-hmm. work out tend to eat a little bit better, you know, and when you feel better about yourself, these things are a lot easier. So mm-hmm. you got to find those things and find those people. And um, you have to be active in your faith, too. You know, mm-hmm. y- you, know you, you have to work on it as well. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he's not always just going to bring someone to your front door. It's not how it works. You know, you gotta, you, you got to take that step of, of faith and trust in him and mm-hmm. start surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals. Mm-hmm. Wow. He, will, love- he promises you. I love it. I'm telling you, what I'm sitting here thinking about is that basically those are strongholds, you know, and he gives the power to tear those strongholds down, but we have to work at it. So that's what I'm hearing, and that's what I'm gathering from what you're saying. You know, because I've heard the stories. I've heard some say, well, you know, I was instantly delivered overnight, but as me and you both know, that that Mm -hmm. is not the case with everyone. And well, like I love when I love when you said there is an appointed time. I love right. it. I love it because he knows what's best. He knows and, and as you stated, we have to trust him. We have to have faith. We're just a work in progress. Really, that's all of us. We're just amen. a work you, in progress. I I tell people this that with the Lord it's all a process. And if Mm-hmm. The Lord had come down the night that I broke my back and put his mighty hand on me and healed that back. Would I, would I have learned anything? Would I have drawn closer to him? Would I learn how to lead, read the word? Would I have been doing these things if I would have been healed in that moment? No. Mm-hmm. My healing was a process which forced me to draw closer to him. But there were other things that needed to be at, weeded out of my life as well. And so, you know, there's something about that process. Um, that's going to give us valuable lessons and really refine yeah. us. Because at the end of the day, we need to be refined into the day of his coming, right? And so he's going to refine you through that process. And, you know, it's funny because people will make progress and not realize that they're making progress. That's <laughs> um, right. how hard we are as human beings on ourselves. But, you know, um, a lot of times it's a process and there's lessons to be learned in that process. So enjoy the process as much as you can and as painful as it is because, Trust me, sometimes it's really painful. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you so much. You've been such a blessing in my life, and I'm sure um, anyone that's on the line and anyone that listens into the replay, they are going to be blessed with this broadcast. What I want to do, just in case there may be someone on the line with any questions or comments, Maybe they just want to say hello. I'll open the lines up just for a moment. And if there is no one, we'll go ahead and proceed to ending. So at this time, if there is anyone that has a comment, a question, or maybe you just want to say hi, you can do so at this time. Absolutely. And if anybody, for whatever reason, you know, wants to come back and listen to this at a later date, if you do go to robdeckerspeaks.com, there is a place on my website where you can email me and ask me whatever you want. Um, a lot of times what happens after podcasts and my speaking events is that people will go straight to the website and then, you know, they'll share a story or they'll ask me some questions. And, and so that's always, you know, an option as well. Wow. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because what I notice about doing these broadcasts is that there are some that are tuning in because I go back and check my mm-hmm. analytics, but some of them just want to listen, and that's fine too. <laughs> yeah. And so thank you so that's much common. for that. Yes, because I was going to ask you to share with the people anyway where they can connect with you if they wanted to. So I'm so glad that you let us know where we can visit your website. So yep. oh, this has been amazing. I'm just, I'm telling you, I'm just so filled <clears throat> that I don't know what to do. Just seeing God's glory being revealed is just doing something to me right now. Well, I'm going to go ahead and end. And I just want to say to anyone that is faced with adversity, think it not strange, the things you are going through. The glory that is being revealed is going to be much greater than the pain that you feel. Rob, again, thank you so so much. You're such a blessing. And I want to thank all that have tuned in. I will post the replay later on today. And remember, take the lemons in your life and make lemonade that his glory will be revealed. Now, you all have a blessed and a prosperous day. I'm extending the call. Goodbye.
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.